Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. Thank you guys so much for hopping on this broadcast. This is our special Thanksgiving broadcast. Y'all, I'm telling you, we went the extra mile to do this just for you. So I know uh, everybody, you probably have family coming in. Some of you may be standing in your kitchen and cooking. And so I just want to thank you for joining us on the special Thanksgiving broadcast. Uh, Hopefully you can listen to this as you're getting ready and Uh, This is going to be really good. But do me a favor before we get started this morning. I'm not going to be with you too long, but I want you to share the broadcast. Help me out and hit that share button, like, interact, uh, comment, and help me push this video to as many people as we possibly can. And while we're doing that, number one, if you're watching live, I just want to say I love you. Thank you so much. Or if you're tuning back, also you can share the broadcast as well. And we'll give it just a second here for people to hop on. And so while we're waiting, if you're already on and joining us, I'd love to hear from you. Tell me where you're watching from. And I actually want to do this. If you're watching live right now, I want you to put in the comments. Just put one thing that you're thankful for today. Put that one thing in the comments that you're thankful for today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is going to be a great broadcast. So... The title of this broadcast is uh, The Power of the Newborn King, the Christmas Message. I'm just kidding. This is the power of Thanksgiving. This is the Thanksgiving broadcast. This is a Thanksgiving sermon that I have prepared for you. It's called The Power of Thanksgiving. The Power of Thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Man, this is going to be great. The Power of Thanksgiving. You know, I listened to one of the greatest generals alive in our time today is a man of God by the name of Bishop David Oyedepo, and he actually says that thanksgiving is the most powerful spiritual force that we have available to us. And so I'm going to break some of that down, Uh, but thanksgiving is the most powerful spiritual force that we have available, and it's really true. Today, I hope that you see the power of giving thanks to God and what happens when you give thanks to God. Amen. And so I know, you know, I'm not trying to shame anybody. Some of you guys, you may have the the TV on and football on, but this season, it is not about football. Can you say amen? This season's not about football. This season, this day is not about football. It's not about Black Friday that's coming up tomorrow. It's not about Cyber Monday. It's not about Christmas presents. It's not just about the feasting and the food. This day is about giving thanks where thanks is due. Amen. And that's so important for your walk with God is living in a place of continual gratitude and continual thanksgiving. And so before we get started, I want to give you a little bit of history about thanksgiving. The pilgrims were the first to celebrate thanksgiving in 1621. So their thanksgiving in 1621, the 1600s, it was a three-day feast They would actually not only feast, but they would fast. They would have fasting and feasting that took place for three days. And they did this, this feasting. It was set apart 
to give thanks and praise God for a bountiful harvest and for, for delivering them from death. So three things here. They had this three-day-long feast that was set apart for three things. Number one, to th praise God for a bountiful harvest. So they said, you know what? God has blessed us. He's blessed our crops. He's multiplied us. He's increased us. So we're going to stop, and we're going to give God thanks for what he has done this year for us. For They gave him thanks for delivering them from death. They made it through the winter. If you know the kind of morbid history behind the Mayflower, the pilgrims, and the settlement, as many of them died. Of, of disease. Many of them died of famine. Many of them froze to death uh, in the early settlement. And so those that came through, you know, they were giving God praise that their children had lived and their family had lived and that the Lord had spared them from death, death and they were alive by his grace. And then thirdly, here's a really big principle. They took this three-day period to give God thanks and praise in order to keep his blessing flowing into the next year. Amen. You know, they understood, they understood this, that their thanksgiving this year, your thanksgiving today determines your harvest tomorrow. I actually want you to write that and put it in the comments. Say, my thanksgiving today determines my harvest tomorrow. So not only did they understand that Thanksgiving was so important for what God had already done and just simply saying thank you for how good he had already been, but they knew that their Thanksgiving, that their ability and, and, and their, uh, you know, them being intentional to thank and praise God determined the level of harvest that they would have for the coming year. In fact, not only did the pilgrims understand this, but our founding fathers understood this principle. Because if you look forward in time about 100 years, now into the 1700s, you have George Washington. He was the first to declare a national day of public thanksgiving and praise. And so George Washington, he didn't settle it on, on a day, as we'll get to in a moment, but he actually said that our nation needs to come together in a day of praise and a day of thanksgiving for all that God has done. You know, so our founding fathers, they knew how important it was to give God thanks where thanks was due. George Washington actually declared this after the victory of a battle in the Revolutionary War. God supernaturally, as he felt, delivered them and gave them victory in this battle. And he said, we need to start making this an annual thing where we give God thanks and we give God praise. Because we know whose hand it was that delivered us. And so you skip forward another hundred years, you have Abraham Lincoln in 1863. This is a quote from Abraham Lincoln. He said, the year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with the blessing and fruitful fields and healthy skies. So they understood the importance of thanking God for what he has done and how thanking God for what he has done played into what took place in their future. So Abraham Lincoln, he was actually the first one to make it a kind of standard day. George Washington said, we're going to observe a day every single year. And you had people actually celebrating it at different times. If you look at the history there, people kind of had the freedom this day. But he, whatever day you celebrate it on, you just need to celebrate it. We all need to stop and give God thanks and take a break and just thank God for all that he's done. And Abraham Lincoln actually took it the next step further, and he said, you know what? We're not just going to do a random day. And he made it, he put it into motion as a national holiday that we would observe the fourth Thursday of every November as 
Thanksgiving. And so he understood that we don't just need to do this randomly. We need to collectively come together as a nation, and as a nation, we need to praise God. Why? Because not only is it important to thank God for what he's done, but our Thanksgiving today determines our harvest tomorrow. Amen. So today, although you may be watching football and although you may be enjoying a a wonderful feast with your family, just remember, today is not just about the football. It's not about the food. It's not about the Black Friday and and the cyber deals. Today is is a time of giving thanks to God. And I really hope that you'll actually take a break. We get so wrapped up in having everything perfect. We get so wrapped up in the deviled eggs and the and the rolls and the turkey and all the stuffing, all this stuff, that it, we get consumed, we get stressed out, and, and it dominates our entire day. I pray that today you would actually stop and take a break and just begin to lift your hands and thank the Lord. Man, I want you to do that. I want you to take a break today, and I want you to just start thanking God for everything that he's done in your life. Amen. You know, Abraham Lincoln said, that that the year had been filled with blessings of fruitful fields and healthy skies. Let me ask you that. Have you been blessed this year? Has God blessed you this year? If you can say yes, you just need to start thanking God for all that he's blessed you. Lord, thank you for my job. Thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you for preserving my health. Thank you. If God's performed a miracle in your life this year, man, if you've been healed this year, if you've been delivered this year, Man, you could look back at a situation and say, this should have been really bad, but the, the, the Lord supernaturally delivered me from the hand of my enemies. You need to thank God today. And if you're watching this broadcast and you're saying, you know what, John, this last year has been horrible. I don't feel like I had fruitful fields. I don't feel like I had healthy skies. I had one of the worst years that I've ever had. But you just need to thank God in faith. You need, And I'll get into that. But Let's go ahead and get to this next point. All right, write this down for number one this morning. Thanksgiving is not something that you do simply when you feel like it. Thanksgiving is a debt that is owed that must be paid. And that was a quote. It's point number one, but it's also a quote from the great man of God, Bishop David Oyedepo. So we'll put that on the screen, and I want you to take a moment and think about that, and I'll read it again. Thanksgiving is not something that you do simply when you feel like it. I'll stop right there. That's a lot of people's mindset. You know, again, a lot of people, uh, they won't even stop and give God thanks today. And you say, well, why wouldn't they do that? And it's not because God hasn't been good to them this last year. It's because they're probably so wrapped up. Man, they're trying to cook. Their pie burnt in the in the oven. The kids are running around screaming. Oh my gosh, we're supposed to be at grandma's house at twelve, and here it is eleven forty-five, and we're not even ready to go. We're going to be late. And and God's been extremely good to you today, but you're not going to stop and give God thanks. Why? Because you're not happy. Well, you know what? I'm just not having it today. I'm just not happy today. I'm just stressed out today, and so therefore, because your Thanksgiving is based off of a feeling, you're actually not even going to stop. And celebrate what this time is about, giving thanks, giving praise where praise is due. And you need to understand this. Make this shift. Thanksgiving is not something that you do simply when you feel like it. Thanksgiving is a debt that is owed that must be paid. If you'll actually shift and realize that, that Thanksgiving is a debt that's owed that must be paid, man, it won't matter how you feel. It won't matter if you wake up and you're like, well, man, I got the worst night's sleep that I've had in a long time. It won't matter. It won't matter what 
kind of trial or what kind of fire you may see, feel like you're walking through, if you'll understand that this is a debt that must be paid, that's owed to the Lord, man, I'm not giving God a, throwing God a bone whenever I feel like it. He's due my praise. He let all that I am praise the Lord. Amen. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You wake up and you say, I'm going to praise God today. And I don't just mean like, well, in my mind, I'll praise God. We need to constantly get praise on our lips and on our mouth and say, I'm going to praise God today because it's a debt that's owed to God. And if you realize that and you begin to treat it like a debt that's owed to God, literally, you know what you'll do? You'll, you'll walk in praise and thanksgiving every single day of your life. Amen. This is, here's, look at the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. How often? Always. What does always mean? What does always mean? It means all day, every day. All day, all, every time, all the time, right? Rejoice always. Well, Brother John, I'm, you know, I, I don't really like my job right now. What do you think I should do? You should rejoice. Why? Because the Bible says rejoice always. Well, Brother John, you know, I, I'm just having a, a hard time in my finances right now. I'm just uh, financially, I'm not exactly where I'd like to be. What should I do? You should rejoice always. You need to just rejoice. Just start thanking God. Well, you know, I really don't like my job. I wish I made more money at my job. Why don't you stop complaining about your job? Why don't you just start thanking God that you have a job? Why don't you start thanking God? Lord, thank you that I'm not homeless living on the street. And if you are homeless living on the street, number one, I don't know how you're watching this broadcast, but by happenstance that you are watching this broadcast, amen, the blessing of the Lord will lift you right out of that pit. I'll give you a chance at the end of this broadcast to pray and, and receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. But rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. My dad told me a funny story. He said he was listening to a sermon while driving home from work. He worked several hours away. And he said that it was a sermon on Thanksgiving. Obviously, you're probably going to hear a lot of that around this time of year. And so he said that during the sermon, it was a story that this man was telling about these two Jewish women who had been taken to a concentration camp in, uh, you know, in World War II. It, it, with all of that stuff going on. So they were taken to this concentration camp. They get into this concentration camp and they smuggled a Bible in, right? So somehow they got a Bible in through the guards. They didn't find it. And they put, they signed these two women to this room. They go into this room and the room is just covered in fleas. And so this, this girl starts complaining and she says, oh my gosh, it's covered in fleas. This is miserable. This is unacceptable. We cannot live here. And the other girl stops and says, wait, she goes back to the Bible. She believed the New Testament Bible. And she says, the Bible says in everything, give thanks. So she said, wait, we need to stop complaining and we actually need to give thanks to God for this room. And the other girl's just blown away. What do you mean? How can we give thanks to God for this room? It's covered in fleas. What, what do we have to be thankful for? Look around. No, we need to give thanks to God. And so they had this Bible. And every night after the work day, they started having these Bible studies in their room. Right? This, was, this would have got them executed immediately. But every night, the Bible studies just began to grow. And, and people just began to pile into the room every night. And the guards never came into the room one time. And so finally something had broke and, 
and uh, something had broken, so one of the guards were instructed, you need to go in that room and help fix that thing. And the guard replied to the person that gave them instruction and said, we're not going in that room. That room's covered in fleas. We're not going in there. There's no chance. And so it's, it's actually amazing. You know, the thing that they were so upset about, the room was covered in fleas. It was actually the very reason. It was like a, it, it provided the security that they needed for the guards to never step in that room and for them to have a Bible study, you know, during the, in a concentration camp. That's kind of an absurd story, but it, it's true. That's amazing. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks. In everything. You know, I'll get to this point, but you have to get complaining out of your mouth. You've got to get complaining off of your lips. And I want you to just begin to look at your life and ask yourself this one question this morning. Am I giving God thanks in everything? Am I thanking God for my wife? Women, am I thanking God for my husband? Am I, thinking, am I complaining about my children or am I giving God thanks for my children? Am I complaining about my house or am I giving God thanks for my house? Am I complaining about my car or am I giving God thanks for my car? In everything, guys, I'm going to tell you, everything means everything. What do you think that word? Let's, if we looked at the Greek word there of everything, I'm going to tell you what it means. It means everything. It means all things. In everything, give thanks. Look at this. For this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What's the will of God? You know, and I'll give you this principle. There's so many Christians that struggle with the will of God for their life. They say, I don't know what God's will is for my life. I don't know what my plan is, what his purpose is for me. Well, you have to start obeying his written will before you under before you the your specific his specific will for you is revealed so you have to start being faithful with the things that he already said to do before he starts giving you more insight jesus said to those who use well what they're given even more will be given and so you've got to start using well the written will of god you know you can take things in the word and say instead of me just sitting around waiting for my specific purpose and calling which that's important why don't you just start acting on what God has already said in his word? Why don't you start winning souls? Why don't you start and say, well, I, I don't know if I'm called to the ministry, if I'm called to be a doctor or a lawyer or a, or a plumber. Well, you may not know that, but you do know this. It's God's will. It's God's will. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus, that you rejoice always, that you pray without ceasing, and you in everything give thanks. So why don't you just dedicate yourself, say for the next week, for the next month, I'm going to dedicate myself to rejoicing, I'm going to dedicate myself to prayer, and I'm going to dedicate myself to thanksgiving. Do it for a month every day and give yourself to it. Get it on your lips and get complaining out of your mouth and watch what God will do for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Adopt this into your life every day. So I'm going to give you now the three things that we need to thank God for. You know, I'll help you. Well, how do I thank God? You can thank God basically in these three different areas. Number one, praise him for who he is. Praise him for who he is. The Bible says in Psalm 7, 17, I will thank the Lord because he is just and I will sing praises to the name of the Lord most high. Psalm 69, 30, then I will praise God's name with singing and I will honor him with thanksgiving. I'll honor him with thanksgiving. 
But both of these verses talk about praising God's name. You know, and so essentially, I'll, I'll help simplify that for you. What is, it, what is he saying? I, I praise the name of the Lord. Basically, David was saying, I'm thanking God right now before I thank God for anything that he's done. Apart from anything that he's done, I'm thanking God for who he is. Amen. This means I praise him for who he is. That's like coming to the realization that, Lord, you've been so good. You've blessed me. But at the end of the day, if you never did anything else for me, I'm going to praise you because you're worthy, because of who you are. Amen. I'm going to praise you because you're the author. You're the creator. You're the beginning. You're the end. You're the finisher. You're the perfecter. You're the alpha. You're the omega. You're the first. You're the last. You are good. You are righteous. You are holy. You're perfect. You're wonderful. I'm going to praise you today despite my situation because of who you are, and it's a debt that's owed to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So number one, if you look at your life and you say, well, my life isn't exactly everything that I'd like it to be. No, you need to understand God can help you with that. But in the meantime, just simply praise God for who he is. Lord, thank you that you're a good father. Lord, thank you that you're a righteous a righteous God. Lord, I just thank you. You're wonderful. You're unmatched. There's no one like you. Your name is the greatest in all of the earth. And just begin to praise God for who he is. I actually want you to say this and write it in the comments. Say, I will praise God every day because of who he is. I will praise God every day because of who he is. So three different things to thank God for help you understand this. Number one, we said praise him for who he is. Number two, you need to praise him, give him thanks for what he has done. So again, praise him for who he is and give him thanks for what he's done. You have Christians, you know, who now will get to the weird thing and they're like, you know what, it just doesn't matter. God, I don't care about, I don't care about what you've done. I don't care about your gifts. I don't want, I don't want the blessing. Amen. I just want you. I don't want the, I don't want the blessing. I don't want all of this stuff. I don't want any of that stuff. Lord, I just want you. I've heard it said, I think it was Preston Shuttlesworth said it and it was really funny, but he was like, can you imagine, you know, doing that to your parent? Like your parents say you're like a 16 year old and you just get a brand new car and your parents, man, they've been, they've like, they've, They've been hiding it. They got the key in a little box. They had this whole thing set up to surprise you, right? You're, all your friends are there. They hire a photographer. It's just like this, this huge gift. They poured time and money and given so much sacrifice to give you this gift. And then all of a sudden, they turn you around and rip off the blindfold, and there's a brand-new car with a bow on top. Can you imagine being the parent and your kid saying, you know what, I just, I just really don't care about this car. All I care about is your presence, Dad. All I care about is your being in your presence, mom. You'd be like, huh, okay, you know, thanks, honey. Stop being a weirdo and act excited for the car. So it, it, my point is basically this. You don't have to pick and choose. Oh, Lord, we, we don't care about the good things that you do. We just want your presence. How about both? How about I love him and I praise him for who he is, and I also praise him for the good things that he has done. I praise him for the things that he's done for me. Amen. Amen. Give him thanks for what he's done. Look what the Bible says in Psalms 103, 1 through 6. 
Let all that I am praise the Lord. <clears throat> it says, with my whole heart, I'll praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. And may I never forget the good things that he does for me. Man, it's important. It's important that you tell God what you're thankful for. Man, I'm going to tell you, when God blesses you with a promotion at work, it's important. Don't be sitting there like, oh, it's carnal for me to thank God for, for this promotion. I'm just going to devote all my time of, Lord, you, I just thank you for who you are. You're just a holy God. No, you actually need to say, Lord, thank you for this promotion. Thank you, Lord that you've bumped my salary to whatever, $100,000 a year. Thank you that that's a blessing to my family. Thank you, Lord, that my children will be blessed. You need to start thanking God for what he does for you. Amen. So he says, may I never forget the good things he does for me. He goes on to list them. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. Hallelujah. My youth is renewed like the eagles, and the Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. Think about all of those different things that the Lord gives. It says he forgives me of all my sins. That's, that's part of the thing that Jesus gave you. Amen. He forgave you of your sins. And then look at this. He heals me of all my diseases. You can just thank God for that. And I'll cover this in the next point. But thank God in faith for that. Thank you, Lord, that I am healed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. He redeems me from death. What is that? That's supernatural protection. Right? Well, how many of you know we could die at any time? No, that's not what the Bible says in Psalms 91. It doesn't say that I can die at any time. It says, though a thousand fall at my side and 10,000 may die around me, these evils won't touch me. I'm not going to die at any time. The Bible says, with long life, he'll satisfy you. With long life, he'll satisfy me. Well, how many of you know we could get cancer any time and, you know, tomorrow's not promised. Maybe it's not promised for you, but if you're a believer that's in a covenant with God, walking in faith, tomorrow is promised. Tomorrow is promised if you'll have faith and belief. People get so mad about that message alone. Man, they'll go, to, they'll go to war and just like, that's sacrilegious. It's like, what would you like? Okay, there's no blessing. There's no reward. The word of God is all just metaphorical and hypothetical, and, and it's all just a shot, shot in the dark. It's all just a chance, and nobody knows what's really going to happen. In fact, you could die tomorrow. I could die tomorrow. But you know what? It doesn't matter because his ways are higher than our ways. That's a stupid way to think, and that's a stupid form of Christianity. That's not what the Bible says. With long life, he'll satisfy you. It says he redeems me from death. Just thank God for that right now. Say, I'm not dying anytime soon. And he crowns me with love and tender mercy. He fills my life with good things. You know, there's that word, prosperity. People don't like it. But God fills your life with good things. Well, how many of you know God's not concerned with things and and uh, God's, God's not interested in giving you things. Well, the Bible says the opposite. It says that he actually fills your life with good things, that your, new, your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. Hallelujah. Just start thanking God for that. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for righteousness. Thank God for supernatural protection. Thank God for prosperity. Thank God for healing. Thank God for strength and life. 
If you joined this broadcast and said, I really don't know what I can thank God for, I just gave you a list right there. Salvation, righteousness, supernatural protection, prosperity, healing, strength, and life, all found in Psalms 103. Hallelujah. According to the word, God's done all those things for you. Now, again, as I've mentioned several times, ask yourself the question, apart from the word, what has God done for me personally? Look at your life. Look at your job, your family, your kids, your husband, your spouse. Look at your situation and just begin to thank God for all that he has done for you. May I never forget the good things that he does for me, David said. So we praise God for who he is. We praise God for what he has done. And number three, we thank God for the promises received in faith. We thank God for the promises received in faith. And I'll kind of help you understand this. But I'm going to read you a verse here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. The Bible says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known to God. Okay, so, but in everything, don't be anxious. That means don't be worried about anything. Instead of worrying, be in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Basically, that means this. Offer your prayer with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, I said it like this Sunday I, what, essentially, what does this mean? It means that you need to learn how to take your prayer and wrap it in a Thanksgiving burrito, all right? Wrap that sucker in a Thanksgiving burrito. What, what do I mean by that? Okay, think about this. That means, imagine this. This is a big tortilla, big square tortilla right here. This is Thanksgiving, and I'm going to take my prayer. What's my prayer? It's the meat. I'm going to sprinkle that meat, but then I'm going to sit here and and take Thanksgiving, and I'm going to roll my prayer, my request. It's going to be literally delivered in the form of Thanksgiving. If you're still like, John, that makes no sense. It's okay. Hold on, okay, and I'll help you understand this. So you need to understand these two things. I'm going to read you two scriptures. Essentially what it means is this, 2 Corinthians 1, 19 through 20. For Christ Jesus, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you as God's ultimate yes. For he always does what he says. Man, you can build your life on that verse alone. God always does what he says. What does that mean? That that means if he said it in this word, he will hearken unto his word. This word will never return void in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If God said it, that settles it. You can bet your life on it. Believe it. So he says, God always does what he says for all of God's promises. How many of God's promises? All of God's promises. Again, what are all of God's promises? There's over 8,000 promises in this word. Every single one of these promises that's in this book, look at this next line here. It says, have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. Have been. Is have been, is that phrase have been, is it past tense, present tense, or future tense? Have been is past tense. That means God has already fulfilled every promise offered in this book in Christ. With a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. 
That means this, that we go asking God to do things. Lord, will you, you know, will you bless me? I've already blessed you. What do you mean? Whenever I gave you Jesus Christ, he gave you everything I have to offer. If you'll come in through his blood, you can come into healing. You can come into deliverance. You can come into prosperity. It, everything that God has to offer, he's already given it. And he's given the way to access it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. No one can receive the Father's promise of blessing except through me, you could also say, as well. And so understand that. That God made a way for us to access all things. And it was through his son, Jesus Christ, through the shedding of his blood. And by faith, we get to enter in through that blood into an undeserved place of privilege and blessing. So all of God's promises, God has promises in regards to healing. He's got promises in regards to prosperity. He's got promises in regards to land. Amen. The Bible says that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. If it pertains to life, God's already promised it to you. Does a car pertain to life? Yes, it does. Does your electric bill pertain to life? Yes, it does. You know, the Bible actually said, he told Joshua, that everywhere that your foot treads, you'll be on land that I've already given you. He's, he's in his word, there's promises for land. There's promises for property. There's promises for building. You may think that's far-fetched, but guess what? All of that, in Christ, we've been brought into all of it. And again, it says, have been. That means past tense. So instead of asking God, Lord, I need you to bless me. Lord, I need you to heal me. Lord, I need you to do this for me. God's actually saying, what are you talking about? I did everything that I'm going to do concerning that matter. So that's why instead of asking God for it, that's what I mean by the Thanksgiving burrito. If you're, if you're lacking finances, instead of praying, saying, Lord, will you give me finances, wrap it in the burrito, of, in, the, in the burrito, the tortilla of Thanksgiving, right? Of basically saying, Lord, thank you that you have blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. I don't have to ask you for finances. I can use my faith and, and take hold of anything that it is that I need because it's already been fulfilled in Christ. Everything you have to give me has already been fulfilled in Christ. The Bible says this, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, whatever things, so whatsoever, anything that you ask, anything that you request when you pray, obviously in context according to the word of God, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So whenever you when you release your faith for something, the Bible says that you need to immediately believe that you've received it, you'll have it. Hallelujah. You know, around this time of year, it, it, it just blows my mind. You have people that they constantly stay in a place of worry, and so they never enter into faith. If you are having to constantly pray about something every day, Oh, Lord, please help me with this job. Help me with this job. Help me, Lord, open a door for me. Open a door for me, Lord. Bless me, Lord, please. And you're every day, you're, you're petitioning God like that. You're, you're never going to be heard, and you'll never see the manifestation of your prayer. Uh, you'll never see it come to pass because you're not even in faith. You, the Bible says that you, you pray whatsoever you pray. You, at the moment of that prayer, you believe that you receive it. Why? Because you understand this, God's already given it to me in Christ. 
Or you could take it from this angle. Jesus said in John 14, John 15, and John 16 that we could ask the Father directly in the name of Jesus and that the Father would give us whatever we ask for when we come asking in that name. And so you could say, well, did I, did I offer this? Did I thank God? Did I release this prayer in faith in the name of Jesus? Did I make my petition known using the name of Jesus? If you can say yes, then according to the scripture, you believe that it's done. It's settled. God heard you. It's received. It's finished. And, and it's on its way. You know, you think about around this time of year, people are ordering Amazon. I was driving down the road, uh, you know, the other evening, and it was already dark outside. It was like 8 o'clock at night, and we still saw the postal driver out. What are they doing? They're delivering packages because people are shopping online like crazy, like animals this time of year. And so, uh, you know, you think about a person like buying something off of Amazon. You know, whenever they purchase, you go on your phone and buy something. You, you click that button, and, and literally, you don't even have another thought about it. You know, you click that button, and, and you know it says process received. You don't come back. After you click the button, Warren, oh my gosh, I wonder, I wonder if I need to try to call, you know, Jeff Bezos. I, need, I wonder if I need to call the hotline for Amazon and make sure, oh yes, uh, Amazon, did you, did you get my request? I just want to make sure that it went through and processed. You don't do that because you have confidence in the system. People have more confidence and faith in Amazon than they do in God, than they do in the word of God. You know, they'll, they'll push the button and they won't think another thing about it. In fact, a lot of people that order stuff frequently online, they'll, they'll forget about it. They'll forget that they even ordered anything. And then like a week or so will go by and they'll come home and see it on their doorstep and they'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot that I ordered. Why did they forget about it? Because they had total confidence that through the system and the process, when they made the transaction, it was done. They knew when they clicked that button, Think of it like this. When they click that button, what kind of lunatic hits the button, the, the checkout button on their phone, and then stares at their empty hand and like, why isn't it in my hand? Oh, my gosh, I just bought a brand new pair of headphones. How come these headphones aren't in my hand? What happened? I guess it didn't work. You know, if somebody started doing that, you'd be like, are you okay? You know, do we need to pray for you? What's wrong with you? You're, that's crazy. But we do the same thing in prayer. You know, we'll pray about something, and if I don't see it just right now in my hand, why isn't it here? Why didn't it happen? We just don't even think that it worked. We, yet we have more confidence in Amazon than we do in the Word of God. Now, I'm telling you, when you pray in the name of Jesus and you lay claim to what God has already promised us, it's done. You treat it like done. You think about it as done, and you speak it as done. Don't go asking about the same thing the next day. Just thank God. Lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that it's on its way. Thank you, Lord, that money's on its way. Thank you, Lord, that property, it's on its way. Hallelujah. Okay, so by thanking God, I want you to get this. Write this down here. By thanking God for what he has already done, instead of asking for what he has already given, I possess the promise of God by faith. I know that can be a little bit confusing. Hopefully I wrote that well enough for you to understand it. But by thanking God for what he has already done, instead of asking for what he's already given. So instead of, instead of asking God to give me something he's already given, 
I thank him for what he's already done. I thank him that it already belongs to me. And when I thank him for what already belongs to me, according to the word, I possess it by faith. Amen. That's what that means. So, Thanksgiving, I really want you to get this. I started the broadcast out by telling you this whole broadcast is really built around this one thought right here, and it's this. So make sure we have this on the screen, that Thanksgiving is the most powerful force in your life. Thanksgiving is the most powerful spiritual force that you have available in your life. I'll give you a few reasons why. But did you know praise and thanksgiving is the only thing that God cannot do for himself? God, he's not going to refer to himself in the, third, in the third person and say, oh, good job, Father. You know, good job, God. Thank you, God. You know, you did a really good job. Oh, I appreciate that, God. That's very nice of you. Thanksgiving is the only thing that God can't do for himself. In fact, the Bible actually says, the Lord says in Scripture, if I was hungry, would I come to you? No, he said, I, I own a, a cattle on a thousand hills. So essentially, number one, God has no need, right? God, God's like, he's never going to go hungry. He's never going to run out of food, ever going to, I'm just saying, like, think of that. He's never going to run out of money in heaven. He's never going to be in a food box line. God, God is all sufficient. He is self-sufficient. But let's just say, hypothetically, metaphorically speaking here, right? If God needed something to eat, he would never have to go to a human being and say, oh, you know, could you help me out? I'm running a little bit low and I could really use, you know, some ground beef and uh, I'm hungry. I need something for dinner. He'd never have to do that. He said, I'm God. I own a cattle on a thousand hills. If I needed something to eat, trust me, I have my pick. I can pick anyone that I want. And by the command of my word, I could have a juicy T-bone steak right in front of me, delivered instantaneously. You know, so God, he has no need. God actually, anything, if he ever did have a need, he has the ability to fulfill that need himself. He is self-sufficient. And so praise and thanksgiving is the only thing that God cannot do for himself. And along that same thought, Praise and thanksgiving is the only thing that we can do that actually blesses the Lord. You know, praise and thanksgiving is one of the only things that, that we can do that is, is blessing God and not us, where we're not involved. You know, um, I think I'll get to this point in a moment, but think about this, that Thanksgiving even is different from prayer because when we pray, you know, we're actually giving God a request. I, I believe Bishop David Odepo said that it's like we're giving God a job when we pray. So that's why even Thanksgiving is even more powerful than prayer. Because in Thanksgiving, you're not just giving God a request. You're not just lifting up a prayer. You're not giving God a task to do. What you're actually doing is just simply praising God and doing for him the only thing that he cannot do for himself, which is thank himself and praise himself. 
And so every other aspect of life involves God blessing us, but praise and thanksgiving is us blessing God. Again, as I said, uh, does God need our money? Is he lacking, right? Does God, does God ever come and we need, well, let me help you out, Lord. Let me give you some American dollars. No, he doesn't need our money. Does God need our help? Is he unable? Will the Lord ever come and say, man, I've really been having a hard time in heaven, you know? There's some angels that are getting pretty rogue and out of hand, and I just, I just ask that you guys would keep me in prayer. No, the Bible says that the hand of the Lord is not too short to deliver. There's nothing that he needs help with. Does God need our approval? No, he doesn't need our approval. And so the only thing that we can actually give him is our praise and our, our thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's get into this. This is really the meat of the message. This is the benefits of praise and thanksgiving. The benefits of praise and thanksgiving. And I want to start out with a foundation verse here in Psalms 22, verse 3. I'm going to read it to you in the King James Version. Here's the different benefits or things that take place when we we give God praise and thanksgiving. So the verse is this. It says, but thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Those that inha- th- though the, it, thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Basically, that's a fancy way of saying he inhabits the praises of Israel. Now, obviously, Israel, in this context, when David wrote this, Israel was the people of God. Well, you study this out theologically. You can look at other translations as well. We can take this verse to understand this too, that God inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits the praises of his people. So that word praise, it it means this in the Hebrew, it means praise. It means song, hymn, adoration, thanksgiving. Okay, the word inhabit, it means to dwell, to remain, to sit, to abide. So get this. When you pay God what is due with thanksgiving, he comes and he inhabits you. When you praise God, when you begin to thank God, it says that he actually comes and he inhabits you. He surrounds you. He engulfs you. This is, this is amazing. Okay, so write this point down underneath this thought. When you praise and give thanks to God, he wraps you in a cocoon of his presence. That's an amazing thing. You know, that's even the difference between prayer and praise And I'll cover this more in just a moment. But imagine this. When we pray, it's like our situation. We're lifting our situation up to the Lord. We're lifting our situation up and our prayers ascend to Christ who's making intercession for us in heaven. But even the difference between prayer and praise is when we begin to praise and we begin to thank God, we're not just sending something up. It actually says... We're not, we're not sending something up. God, the Spirit of God, actually comes down and he dwells amongst us. He inhabits us. And, and, and said like this, he wraps you in a cocoon of his presence. The divine presence of God surrounds you, inhabits you, covers you. That's amazing. You know, this is the key to victory and multiplication in life. What is the key? The divine presence of God is the key to victory and multiplication in life. 
Say multiplication. The presence of God is the key to multiplication in life. So I'm actually going to show you how praise and thanksgiving is the key to multiplication in life. Why is praise and thanksgiving the key to multiplication in life? Well, because divine presence, the divine presence of God is the key to multiplication in life. And praise and thanksgiving is the key to the divine presence of God. So if you'll take that key, right, praise and thanksgiving, you use it, you unlock. Now all of a sudden you have access to the divine presence of God. It surrounds you. It engulfs you. He inhabits you. He lives, he abides, he dwells with you as you continue in praise and thanksgiving. Look what his divine presence produces in your life. Second Samuel chapter 6. You have to understand this. In the Old Testament, there was what's known as the Ark of the Covenant. What was the Ark of the Covenant? It was a fancy box that God had, you know, the Israelites build, had a little cherubim and, and gold, and very beautiful, amazing. But it, essentially, the Ark of the Covenant, it housed the presence of God. So the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God inhabited the Ark of the Covenant. You could say it like that. The presence of God inhabited the Ark of the Covenant. So what did this produce? Well, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, I'm not going to read it for the sake of, of time of this broadcast, but you can go back and look at it. But there was a man by the name of Obed-Edom. And the Ark of the Covenant, which the presence of God inhabited, which contained the presence of God, the divine presence of God, came into the house of Obed-Edom. And what took place? It says that, that God blessed him, Obed-Edom, and everything that he owned. So as the Ark of the Covenant was in the house of Obed-Edom, literally, imagine this, everything just began to multiply. It's like his crops, he would go out and sow, and it's like his crops would just start producing through the roof. His flocks and herds just start producing through the roof. His fruit trees produce through the roof. Everything begins to multiply because the divine presence of God produces multiplication. You know, you think about the, the, the stick, the branch that was broken off. There was a branch that was broken off from an almond tree, and it was put in the, in the Ark of the Covenant. It was put in the divine presence of God. And what happened, you, you got to understand this, when a branch is broken off from a tree, it has no connection to the source. It has no connection to the root. So what happens when a branch is chopped off? It withers away. But in the Bible, this, this branch of this almond tree, it was put in the presence of God. And the next day that they looked at it, this dead branch that had been chopped off that should have been withering away actually was sprouting leaves. Why is that? Because the divine presence of God produces multiplication. It produces life. Hallelujah. Isn't that what Jesus said? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you may have life and have life abundantly. So I want you to say abundant life. Man, just thank God right now for abundant life. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Abundant life. And so you see this. When you praise and give thanks to God, he wraps you. He comes and inhabits you. It's like he wraps you in a cocoon of his presence where now you are a carrier of his divine presence. And now it's like you are the ark of that covenant. And what does that mean? Everything in your life, 
If you'll become addicted to praise and thanksgiving, everything in your life will begin to flourish like the house of Obed-Edom. Look another example of Genesis 29, 2 through 6. The Bible says in verse 2, this is actually, I misquoted this. It's not Genesis 29. Let's take the pen out right now. Genesis 39. I was like about to make a fool of myself the other day, about to rebuke my media team. And I was like, why don't you guys have this verse? It's because I put the wrong verse. It's Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. What is that a picture of? Joseph carried the divine presence of God. God inhabited Joseph. God, the Lord was with him. So what does that mean? The Lord remained with Joseph. The Lord sat with Joseph. The Lord abided with Joseph. That's that, what that Hebrew word for inhabit means. What was the result of this? The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. So success was a byproduct of divine presence. He was, uh, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all he did prosper in his hand. So because Joseph carried the divine presence of God, everything in Joseph's hand prospered. So Joseph found favor in his sight and he served him. Say promotion. What happens when you begin to carry the divine presence of God? Say favor. Promotion. He made him overseer of his house and he put all that he had under his authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. So that means wherever Joseph went, the blessing went with him. Why? Because the Lord was with him. That means that Joseph carried the divine presence of God. That literally Joseph just, can you imagine that your company has the best year it's ever had since it, since it was started. Why would it have the best year that it ever had? Because you started working for them. And the blessing of the Lord is on you. The blessing of the Lord was with you. You are a divine carrier of the presence of God. And so where you go, it, multiplication, life begins to sprout, just like for Joseph, just like for the Ark of the Covenant in the house of Obed-Edom. It says... And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. That means that this man, the Egyptian, put everything in Joseph's hand. The only thing that he concerned himself with was the bread that he ate. You don't talk about, you talk about promotion, guys. That ain't working some low-level job. That's the favor of God coming on your life. Man, I'm talking to managers right now. I'm talking to future CFOs right now. I'm talking to you know district managers, project managers, superintendents right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. That's what the favor, that's what the divine presence of God will do for you. So get this, write this down this morning. Giving God praise and thanksgiving guarantees that God's divine presence comes and dwells with you. 
giving God praise and thanksgiving. According to the scripture, he inhabits the praises of his people. So if you begin to give God thanks and praise, it guarantees that his divine presence comes and dwells with you. That is powerful. And what happens when his divine presence comes and dwells with you? That, that you will literally un, you have the key that unlocks multiplication and victory in life. That's powerful stuff right there. You know, the Bible says, what shall we say then? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God's for us, but even better. You know, when you, when you praise and thanksgiving to God and give thanks to God, it says that he inhabits you. So not only is he for you, he's with you. It's better than him even just being for you. He's not just up in heaven saying, well, I'm on your side. He inhabits you. So it's more like if God be with us, who in the heck could ever stand against us? You need to get that in your spirit this morning. If God's with me, nobody can stand against me. Amen. You need to get this. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is in you. So God is in you. That's powerful thought that Christ lives in us. But praise and thanksgiving causes you to dwell in him. So the difference is God is in you. You're a believer. And everybody's like, well, John, that doesn't make sense. In our covenant, right, the Holy Spirit lives in you. That's true. But there's another reality. Not only does the Holy Spirit live in you, but when you enter into a lifestyle of praise and thanksgiving to God, not only will he be in you, but you'll actually go and you will enter into him. He will come and cover you. He'll inhabit you. Praise and thanksgiving guarantees the promise of Psalm 91. What do I mean by that? So I said the Holy Spirit's in you, but praise and thanksgiving causes you to dwell in him. What does it mean to dwell in him? Look at Psalms 91. This is a picture of this, of, of not us, not only God dwelling in us, but us dwelling in him. And I'll say to you, that's the greater reality. Man, that's the greater reality. We know that when God's in us, he's kind of conf confined to us. He's confined to what we can do. You know, the Holy Spirit will only do as much as we'll cooperate with. So think about that. What's the greater reality? Him being in us, which is amazing, but us being in him. Wow, God's a big God. When we're in him, he's not confined to a little, small little box. We are in him. That's amazing. So what does that mean? Look at Psalms 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You see that? So it's already talking about a person that lives in, in the shelter, which is the Most High. You live underneath his shadow. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He's my God and I trust him. So what happens when you live in his shadow, when you live and dwell in him, which happens when you give thanks and praise to God? He says he will rescue you from every trap. He will protect you from deadly disease. Man, I'm going to help you this morning. When God inhabits you, there's a divine presence that comes on your life. And what will that divine presence do? It'll rescue you from every trap. It will protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He'll shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not, 
Be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly by the day. Don't dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Why won't they touch you? Because you are hidden in him. Man, you dwell in him. You've entered into him by your praise and thanksgiving. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, and if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. He will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You'll trample upon lions and cobras. You'll crush fierce lions under your feet. The Lord says, I'll rescue those who love me. I'll protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I'll answer. I'll be with them in trouble. That's powerful. He didn't only say, well, yeah, I'll send help. I'll be with them. Why? Because I'll inhabit them in trouble. I'll rescue and honor them. I'll reward them with long life and give them my salvation. That's powerful right there. Hallelujah. So, so again, the Holy Spirit's in you, but when you praise and give thanksgiving, it causes you to dwell in him. And I made this point earlier, but I'll make it again, that prayer, praise and thanksgiving is even better than prayer. Praise and thanksgiving is even better than prayer. It's even better than prayer. How can you say that, John? You're like, that seems sacrilegious. You mean to tell me that it's, I'm not telling you not to pray. The Bible tells you to pray. Jesus said when you pray, not if you pray. Amen. The Bible said rejoice always. Never stop praying. Uh, and in everything, give thanks. So I'm not saying pick and choose, but I'm actually saying that it's a higher spiritual power when you enter into thanksgiving. It's better than prayer because when you pray and fast, again, you're giving God a job to do to answer your prayers. And that's actually if, you know, you pray according to his will. So when you pray and fast, you're giving God a job to do. The job is what? To answer your prayers. But when you praise and thank God, you attract him. So I'll put it to you like this. When you pray, he hears you. When you pray, he hears you. But when you praise, his presence comes and inhabits your situation. What sounds better to you? God simply hearing your prayers, right? Well, my prayers ascended to the Lord and he heard me. That's powerful. But even more powerful than that, he says, I'll do you one better. I'll not only hear you and answer you. When you praise me, I'll actually come. I won't just send an answer. I'll send myself. I'll come and I'll inhabit you. His presence comes and inhabits your situation. And so let me ask you, what's better, him hearing you or him coming and inhabiting you? Start praising and thanking God in your situation, and he will do one, he'll do you one better than just simply answer. He will come and personally resolve whatever is coming against you. That's powerful. You know, because again, when you pray, when you're praying, you're just dealing with answers. What's the solution? Lord, send me an answer. Lord, help me. Send me relief. Send me help. But if you begin to praise God in your situation, he will personally come and resolve whatever it is that's coming against you. That is so powerful. In fact, while I'm on that point, this was going to be one of my points, but I'm going to skip to it. I feel like it's appropriate. 
Praise and thanksgiving is the key to every trap that the enemy sets for you. Praise and thanksgiving is the key, or I should say praise and thanksgiving breaks every trap that the enemy sets for you or it cancels every trap that the enemy sets for you. Because of this point, when you begin to praise and thank God in your situation, he personally comes and begins to uh, resolve anything and everything that's coming against you. An example of this is in Acts 16, 25 to 26. Around the midnight hour, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. So listen to this. Paul and Silas were in prison. You know, if you actually study this out too, they were not only in prison, like, guys, you got to understand, in these prisons, it was cold. The ceilings were like extremely low, extremely uncomfortable. You know, another thing that they didn't have in prisons in those days was running water and toilets. So you know what that meant? You had probably a bunch of crap everywhere. It probably stunk to high heaven. I mean, miserable. It's like on top of that, you know, people didn't even shower back then. It's like, oh, my gosh, can you imagine how horrible that would be? Just like not only being, and I'll take it one further, but imagine just like you as yourself going and sitting in a dark, enclosed place where there's feces, where there's just rot. There's, I mean, it'd be horrible. So on top of that, they would have, they would have put Paul and, and Silas in these stocks that would have angled their body really hard, their legs really hard. It would have been really hard on their body, almost torturous when you study into this kind of historically. So what were they doing? Were Paul and Silas, were they begging God and crying out and weeping? Oh, Lord, please help us. This is so horrible. Were they complaining? Oh, man, you know, we try to serve God and we try to preach the gospel. And look, this, look where it gets us. Nothing good ever happens. Everybody hates us. Every time that we do this, something bad happens. It's not even worth it. No. Around midnight, you know, at midnight, in the middle of the night, what were they doing? They were praying and singing hymns to God. They were just thanking God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the devil? Oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to get Paul and Silas now. He, he thinks he's got them now. And he throws these guys in prison, puts them in these stocks. And it's like, can you imagine the devil just like putting his ear to the door, like waiting? I'm going to hear him cry. I can't wait to hear him sobbing and crying out to God. And all of a sudden, they just hear Paul in there. Oh, hallelujah, Lord, you're so good. Praise you, God. He's just singing in tongues. And you know, he's, they're just getting so mad. What in the heck? They start praising God. And what happens? God inhabits the praises of his people. God's presence, his divine presence comes and begins to personally resolve whatever situations come against you. And it says the other prisoners were listening and suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. And all of the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. That is powerful. So literally what happened, God's presence came and it, it, he, it, he didn't just send an answer. God came himself and personally resolved the situation that they were in. You see the power of that, that God inhabits the praises of his people. This ensures your continual victory. Can you say amen? Let's finish this broadcast up. I have a few more points for you. 
So, <clears throat> I told you praise and thanks, that praise and thanksgiving is better than prayer. I showed that to you through the word. Now, here's some more keys. Thanksgiving and praise is the only thing that qualifies you for his divine presence. And so, again, prayer and fasting, I'm not, getting, I'm not against prayer and fasting. It's amazing. I believe we should pray and we should fast. But the scripture doesn't say that he inhabits the prayers of his people. In fact, when you look at the Hebrew word for praises, it literally means to sing, to rejoice, to dance. It's, it's like exuberant worship to God. It doesn't say that God inhabits the fasting of his people. It doesn't say that God inhabits the prayer of his people. It says that God inhabits the praise of his people. That praise and thanksgiving is the only thing scripturally that qualifies you for his divine presence. Amen. You know, you got a lot of people, like you got a lot of weeping prophets. They like the prayer, they like the fasting, but again, it's like all they do is they spend their life in prayer and fasting with no resolve. Why don't you get into praise? Just start praising God and watch God personally come into the situation and resolve what's coming against you. Write this down. Praise and thanksgiving is the key to favor and promotion. Praise and thanksgiving is the key to favor and promotion. It's the key to God's favor in life. It's the key to promotion in life. I'm going to look at the example of David here. 1 Samuel 15, 27 to 28. I need to take a breath. I think I've talked so much, my mouth is hurting. 1 Samuel 15, 27 through 28. So God had anointed a king named Saul to be the king over Israel. Long story short, Saul disobeyed God. He disobeyed his commands. He disobeyed the prophet. And so the Lord basically rejected him as the king, and he ended up anointing David, this little shepherd boy, this nobody. You know, the least of his father's sons, he anointed David to become the king of all Israel. David was not royalty. David wasn't some rich, important man's son. Right, some heir. He he didn't have a father that was in politics. David was some nobody out in the middle of a field. And God took a shepherd boy who literally, when the prophet came to his house, to Jesse's house, to see his sons, Jesse had such a low regard for David that he didn't even bring him to see the prophet. He brought all of his other sons and said, Surely. You know, if one of these are going to be the king, if one of these are going to be called out by the prophet, it's going to be one of these guys. There's no way, there's not a snowball's chance that it could be David. But sure enough, it was David. That's the, that's the level of low regard that even his own father had for him, much less the rest of society. He was just this little servant shepherd boy. But yet, what caused God to take that little nobody shepherd boy and make him the king over all Israel? It wasn't by coincidence. So we see this in 1 Samuel 15, 27 through 28. As Samuel turned to go, Paul tried to hold him back, and he tore the hem of his robe. And Samuel said, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and he has given it to someone else, someone who is better than you. Imagine that. Talking about David, obviously, but why? What? Why was David? God just said David was better than Saul. 
Why was David better than Saul? It was because of this. David was a man after God's own heart. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 13, 13 through 14. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed, you have not kept the command of the Lord your God that he gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established you and your kingdom uh, over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end and the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. So what made David better than Saul? He was a man after God's own heart. Get that. God considered David being a man after his own heart. I need you to follow this trail with me. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So if you'll actually if you'll actually get the key to the heart of God, that key is the that key is the key to promotion and favor. If you get the key to the heart of God, that is also the key to promotion and favor. If you'll connect with the heart of God, you'll watch God promote you. You'll watch the favor of God come behind you, and God will open doors for you that no man could ever open. So what is the key? What made David a man after God's own heart? Are you all still with me here? I believe one example of this we can see in Psalms 119, 164. David said, I will praise you seven times a day because all your regulations are just. So David said he praised God seven times a day. You know, let's just think of it like this. There's 24 hours in a day. Say you sleep for eight of them. That leaves you with 16 hours. 16 divided by seven is 2.2. Can you imagine? I think there was a little bit of uh, hyperbole used here. There's a metaphorical language maybe used here, but he said seven times a day. You know, David didn't have like an iPhone. But a point, that's 2.2, that's every 2.2 hours, that every 2.2 waking hours. That, so that would be like setting an alarm on your phone every two and a half hours. Can you imagine that? You get up at 7 o'clock, and you immediately, you, 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 he says, I praise God seven times a day. All right, time to praise God. And you just begin to praise and dance and sing and, and rejoice, and then you go on. And that by 9 o'clock, your alarm goes off. Oh, time to praise God, praise break, and you just start dancing and Woo. You know, you do the Pentecostal jig, 11 o'clock goes on, another, your alarm goes off, it just starts going crazy. Oh, time to praise God, 1 o'clock, time to praise God, 3 o'clock, time to praise God, 5 o'clock, time to praise God. You know, I don't, David obviously didn't have an iPhone, so he didn't do that. Now, if he praised God seven times a day, I don't believe the Bible's lying about that, but here's my point. The whole point is this, is that David was a man that constantly had praise on his mouth. David was a man that constantly had praise on his mouth. Because David constantly had praise on his mouth, guess what? God constantly inhabited. He dwelled and abided with David. Because David constantly had praise on his mouth, he became a man that, that unlocked the heart of God. And when he unlocked the heart of God, what happened? The favor of God and the promotion of God came behind him, and he went from being a shepherd boy in the field to, to ruling over the entire uh, people of Israel. You know, some of the greatest men of God that you see, you'll see that they are men that constantly have praise on their lips. You ever listen to Kenneth Copeland? You'll hear him all the time. He'll just sit there and he'll stare and say, glory to God, praise God. I used to have a Bible professor. His name was Dr. Holler, Dr. John Holler, and he would say that all the time, praise God. 
Glory to God. You know, and it's like, what are they doing? Are they just trying to be Pentecostal? Is that just? No. They learn to keep. Keep praise on your mouth. Kenneth Copeland constantly keeps praise on his lip. And I want to tell you, there's not very many ministers, if any, that I know of. I think, you know, maybe Bishop David Oedepo, but there's a few that would have the wealth of Kenneth Copeland. He is a prosperous man. Why is he so prosperous? Why is he so blessed? Because he's learned the key to favor. He's learned the key to promotion, praise and thanksgiving to God. It's powerful. Hallelujah. Praise is the key to God's heart. I want you to write that down in the comments. Praise is the key to God's heart. I know this is a little bit longer broadcast, but this is a special broadcast today. This is a good broadcast. So, I want to decree this. I decree that as you start living a lifestyle of praise to God, you will be promoted into every good work as a man and a woman who has unlocked the heart of God. Amen. Amen. I'll say it one more time. As you start living a lifestyle of praise to God, you will be promoted into every good work as a man and woman who has unlocked the heart of God. Write this down for number three. So I said that that praise and thanksgiving is the key to favor and promotion, that praise and thanksgiving is the key to multiplication. Praise and thanksgiving is the key to multiplication. Look at this text, Mark 6, 41 through 44. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, and he looked up to heaven, and he blessed them, then breaking the loaves into pieces. So it says he blessed them. I actually want to do something here. I want to look up another translation. He took the loaves. This would be a good time. Antonio, put the the podcast. Follow us on our on our podcast. You can get this on all platforms. Put that graphic up for them, please. He took the loaves and he thanked God. Okay, so it says that in John 6. So this one says that he he blessed them. But in John chapter 6, an account of the fish and loaves, it says... It says this, Jesus took the loaves in verse 11 of John 6, and he gave thanks to God. So that's really the key I want to show you here. He gave thanks to God. He had five loaves and two fish, and then a miracle happened. So I want you to think about that. They have thousands of people, thousands of people. This is where Jesus feeds specifically, I believe it's the 5,000. Jesus feeds the 5,000, and that's not counting women and children. If you count women and children, they say there could have been ten or 15,000 people, right? And they're starving. They've been following him for days in the desert. They have no food. So he asked the question. They're like, we need to feed these people. Jesus, they're about to be falling out, and it ain't going to be in the spirit. You know, they're going to be falling out dead. You're going to be resurrecting everybody. we got to feed them. And so he says, what do we have? You got five, we got, there's a little boy who brought his lunch. He's got five loaves of bread and two fish. You know, 
Jesus didn't do what pretty much every normal Christian would do. Well, that's not going to work. Well, that's not enough. You know, what are we going to do with five loaves and two fish? We might as well not have anything, you know, and just get negative and start complaining and get focused on what we don't have in our hand. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus took what he had available to him, and the first thing that he did, you know what he did? He lifted it up, and it says that he gave God thanks. He thanked God for what he had. So he took what was in the natural. It was not enough. And instead of complaining and mumbling about it, he just began to thank God. He gave God thanks for even what little it was that he had. And guess what took place? God multiplied it. God did a miracle of multiplication. So it says that he began to give out the bread after he gave thanks and and he distributed the bread to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share and they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers of bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. So again, this was obviously not enough to feed thousands of people. But God, after he thanked God, the Lord did a miracle. So here's the point. Start thanking God for what you have right now. And even if it's little, he will multiply it. So again, stop complaining. Stop complaining about the car. You know, You're just always complaining. Well, I don't have the car that I want. I don't have the house that I want. I don't have the job that I want. I don't have the spouse that I want. I don't have the marriage I want. I don't have the income that I want. And we just complain about the things that that we have because of the things that we wish that we had. We we get in just, we're just ungrateful. And we complain about those things. And so here's the key. Get complaining out of your mouth. Just decide today, say, I'll never complain again for the rest of my life. I don't care what my situation looks like. I refuse to let it come out of my mouth. I will not complain. I will rejoice always. I will give thanks in all circumstances. I'll never stop praying. I'm going to, I'm going to become addicted to praise and thanksgiving. And in fact, I'm just going to start thanking God. Even the thing that in my flesh, it irritates me because it's really not what it needs to be, but I'm going to thank God. I'm just going to thank God for it. You start doing that. Start thanking God for it every day and watch the divine presence of God will, call it, will cause it to multiply in Jesus' name. Never complain again. Now, this will be my last point for this broadcast under the power of praise. And it's this, number four. Actually, this should be a number five, but praise and thanksgiving is the key to harvest and increase. So I told you, just a quick recap here. When you, this is the power of praise, that when you praise and give thanks to God, he wraps you in a cocoon of his presence. Praise and thanksgiving is the key to favor and promotion. Praise and thanksgiving is the key to multiplication. Praise and thanksgiving is the key to every trap of the enemy, that, every trap that the enemy sets for you. And lastly, praise and thanksgiving is the key to harvest and increase. Look at Psalm 67, 5 through 6. Let the people praise you, O God. Let the people praise you. Then, say then. Does then mean before or after? No, it means after. It means let them do this, and as a result of them doing this, then the earth shall yield her harvest. 
yield her harvest, her increase, it says. Then the earth shall yield her increase, and our God, God, our own God, shall bless us. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase, and God, our God, shall richly bless us, other translations say. Another translation, I think the NLT says, the earth will yield her harvest. The New King James says the earth will yield her increase. So here's kind of the point, that praise provokes increase and blessing. And that should be really kind of a no-brainer after all these other points I've went through. Praise provokes increase and blessing. Something that the Lord showed me here is that it says, let all the people praise you, then the earth shall yield its harvest. The Lord showed me this about a year ago, that praise is actually the sickle to the harvest field, right? We all sow. The Bible teaches about sowing, and I'll give you a chance to sow actually here in just a moment. But a lot of people sow seed, but they don't ever have, know how to go access and how, how to go get the harvest of that seed. They sow, they sow, they sow, and they do all the right things, but they don't really see the harvest. And I believe one of the reasons they don't see the harvest is because they're disconnected from this principle in their life. It says that, let all the people praise you, then the earth shall yield her harvest, her increase. Say increase. Well, Lord, how come I, I'm not receiving increase? Probably because you've complained and you've cut praise and thanksgiving out of your life altogether. If you'll begin to praise... I'm telling you, the Bible says you cannot mock the justice of God. You will always reap what you sow. There is a harvest available for you. If you have sown seed into the kingdom of God, there is a harvest that belongs to you. How do I get a hold of that harvest? As you begin to praise God, I'm telling you, increase begins to come your way. Increase begins to come into your hand. That praise and thanksgiving is literally the sickle that gathers in the harvest of the seed that you've sown. And here's also interesting as well. It says, let the people praise you, O God. Yes, let the people praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase, and God our God shall bless us. So here's another principle. Increase in blessing comes after praise, not before. Increase in blessing comes after praise, according to this verse, not before praise. So a lot of people get it backwards. A lot of people say, well, when I get the promotion, then I'll get excited. Lord, then I'll start thanking you. Lord, when I get that check, when I get that money, when I get that breakthrough, then I'll start thanking you, then I'll get excited. But the first principle was this, is that thanksgiving is not an action of our emotion or, be, or of our feelings. Pra thanksgiving and praise is a debt that is owed to God. You know, so they do it backwards, and they're like, well, I'll believe it when I see it. No, you got to believe it or you'll never see it. In fact, you got to believe it in order to see it. Well, I'll thank God once I get it. No, actually, you have to thank God in order to get it. If you don't start thanking God now, you'll never get it. So th start thanking God in faith. Instead of waiting till you get to that thing, whatever that thing is that you're believing for, start thanking God in faith for it in advance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, that's good stuff this morning. I hope you understand now why praise and thanksgiving is the most powerful spiritual force that's available to you. 
I want to do a quick teaching here, and I want to I want to challenge you today with your sewing. This is Thanksgiving, and something me and my wife we Hallelujah, man, that's good stuff this morning. I hope you understand now why praise and thanksgiving is the most powerful spiritual force that's available to you. I want to do a quick teaching here, and I want to I want to challenge you today with your sewing. This is Thanksgiving, and something me and my wife, we've prepared to do. We do it every year. We're going to continue to do it. But in the Bible, you need to understand there's different types of giving in the Bible. You know, in the Bible, you have the, the tithe. What is the tithe? That's 10%. You know, Jacob said, Lord, I'll give you a tithe of everything that comes into my hand. And Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. You know, not uh, after he paid everybody, he tied off the top. He gave God one-tenth of, uh, he gave the priest one-tenth of everything that came in. So you have the tithe. Say the tithe, that's a tenth. The tithe is when you give God one-tenth of everything that comes into your hand. Every Christian should operate in the tithe. You have different types of giving like first fruits. You know, the, the first kind of harvest of increase that God brings into your life. You take that first portion, that first time, and you, you give it as an offering to the Lord. I'll give you an example of first fruits. If you are working a job and you make $5,000 a month and all of a sudden your boss comes to you and says, we're going to give you a promotion. You're going to make $5,500 a month. Well, you God just increased your harvest. And so what you would do for first fruits is you would take that first fruit and you would actually give it to the Lord. You would give it as a seed. And you, according to the scripture, you know, you don't just sow it anywhere. You give it to the man of God. Or whatever authority that you have in your life. That's that's how first fruits operates. That's me and my wife, we operate in first fruits. Another type of giving is what's known in the Bible as a peace offering or a thanksgiving offering. So you can actually see this in Leviticus twenty two twenty nine. It says, And when you offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, so today's Thanksgiving, and I want to give you an opportunity to sow a seed of thanksgiving. Now, again, I'll be thankful. You know, anybody that sows anything, I'm going to be thankful. But there are people that this this seed of thanksgiving, it really should go to your spiritual covering. I want you to hear me. You know, if, if you sit under another great ministry, you you should sow to that ministry. So I'm going to show you that I'm not here just trying to get something from you. I'm trying to teach you a principle. This is a time where you should sow honor where honor is due. You should sow to the ministry that you're underneath. So if you go to a great church, man, you you should give your free will offering, an offering of thanksgiving to that church just to say, thank you, Lord. I'm going to give this. I'm going to give a free will offering that's above my tithe that represents my best to, for several reasons. I'll break down, but just to show honor that, Lord, you've blessed me, that these people have blessed me, that, Lord, the, the gift of the ministry and the gift of the minister has been a blessing to me and my life and my family, and I would not be where I'm at. My family would not be where, where it's at without this ministry, and so I'm just going to show honor where honors do. That's an important principle that I'm telling you it will launch you in life. Um. But he says, when you offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, offer it of your own free will. 
Okay, so you need to understand these two things about the peace offering. Number one, it's not required. So we can make a biblical case that the tithe is required, but this Thanksgiving offering, it is not required. It's of your own accord. It's of your own will. You decide to do it. And then number two, there's no set amount. Like with the tithe, it's a percentage. You give one-tenth, but with this, it's not required, and there's no set amount. That means you determine in your heart what you want to do. It has to come from your heart. Lord, this represents my heart. This is me saying thank you. There's three reasons in the Bible that you would give a, a thanksgiving offering. Number one, the worshiper was giving the peace offering as a way to say thank you for God's unsought generosity. It was basically just a way to praise God for his goodness. So you should sow a Thanksgiving offering every single year. You know, you come to the end of the year. Why do you give a Thanksgiving offering? Because you say, Lord, you've been good to me this year. You have blessed me this year. Hallelujah. Man, you've blessed our business this year. You've, you've increased us. You've kept us. You've helped us. If God has been good to you this year, I'm telling you, don't disgrace the Lord by spending thousands of dollars on Black Friday and, and stupid presents and material things and, and give the Lord honor through your giving. Do something special. Um, you know, Thanksgiving offering, another reason Thanksgiving, I'll give you two of the three reasons. Two of them deal with giving thanks. They, they would give a Thanksgiving offering for God's deliverance in the hour of dire need. You know, so it's like, hypothetically, God led the Israelites through the Red Sea. Wow, God, you just delivered us from the Egyptians. So what are we going to do? We're going to give you an offering. We're just going to give you a, a, a sacrificial offering just to say thank you because you have brought us through a time of dire need. If God's done that for you, man, if God spared your children, if he spared your life, if, if you've been in a situation this year that totally should have destroyed your life, but yet the grace of God and the hand of God delivered you from it. Give God an offering of thanksgiving as we close this year. Uh, and, and I'll also tell you, as the pilgrims, as George Washington, as Abraham Lincoln, they all knew that your thankfulness today determines your harvest tomorrow. Hallelujah. I'll give you an example of somebody who gave a thanksgiving offering, it was Solomon. We see this in 1 Kings 3, 3 through 5. I know I'm doing some teaching on it. Uh, I want you to understand this, but Solomon gave a thanksgiving offering to the Lord. It says Solomon loved the Lord and followed the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. The, that night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and said, what do you want? Ask, and I'll give it to you. So you understand this. Say 1,000. Solomon gave God 1,000 burnt offerings. Not only did he give 1,000 bulls, along with a peace offering, you were required to give flour, wine, and oil. It was required. So he gave tons of flour, wine, and oil along with a thousand bulls. I've done some digging, and I've heard other theologians say that, that the average, I would say, required offering was only seven, and yet Solomon gave a thousand. What was required was seven, and he gave a thousand. 
What was that? It was an offering that was above and beyond what was expected of him. Why did he do that? Because he loved God. It says Solomon loved the Lord out of love. So I want you to see this. Solomon goes above and beyond and actually gives God a peace offering, a thanksgiving offering. And what did it do? Three things. Number one, it provoked the favor of God. That night, God showed up to Solomon and asked him this question, what do you want? What, what happened? God actually came. Solomon didn't even have to pray. Isn't that amazing? Solomon didn't go into a time of prayer and fasting that by this one offering, instead of sending a prayer up to God, guess what? God came and inhabited the praises of his, of his king, Solomon. He didn't have to try to get God's ear. This one offering provoked the hand of God. It provoked the favor of God. And in fact, this one offering attracted the Lord himself. And it attracted the Lord to Solomon. And and he asked Solomon, what is it that you want? Ask and I'll give it to you. Hallelujah. I want to decree this over you. That when you cross into giving extravagantly because you want to, out of a love and thanksgiving to God, you will find God coming to you and asking, what do you want? You'll find God coming to you and asking, what do you want? What do you want? I heard a great man of God say, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown said, the Lord told him that when everything means nothing to you, that's when I'll give you everything. You know, when you'll break the money thing off of your life, it's just money. And you'll begin to honor God and give honor where honor is due. You'll find the Lord coming to you. There's so many people that are like trying to get their prayers heard, trying to get God to open something up. Lord, please open something up for me. And it's like they never see breakthrough. But if they'll begin to enter into this place of extravagant honor, even with their giving, you won't have to try to go to bend and and pry to get the ear of God. You'll find God coming to you. You'll find his favor, his hand. And his divine presence coming to you, and the Lord will come and say, what, what is it that you want? You're like, wow, that, John, that just seems kind of sacrilegious. Like the Lord is really going to come and, and, and give me the things that I want. Wasn't that what Psalms 37.4 says? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we're going to tell you the ways that you can give, but I have a special promotion, guys. I'm so excited about this. I have this pre-release copy. This is the first book that I have ever written. We have, it's here in my hand, but we have that, that slide up there for you. Go ahead and put that up. Antonio, you got that, right? Praise God. So we'll have that available. This book is, You Can Have Mountain Moving Faith. Practical steps to realizing God's promises in your life. This is a pre-release. So the actual book is going to be, uh, it's going to come out in December the 20th. So for anybody that sows a gift of any size today, y'all, and I'm telling you, I'm not, don't just sow small. Again, your thankfulness today determines your harvest tomorrow. I want you to pray about that. If you sit underneath this ministry, or if you're not even here, but yet you you glean from this ministry, you say, I don't have a a church where where I'm from, and I really do sit, and and I, I, I count myself a part of this ministry. I want you 
to engage with what you can do. And so a thanksgiving seed to say thank you to the Lord for what he's done in your life this next year and position yourself for the harvest of 2023. And so I'm going to give this book, whenever it drops on December 20th, we'll ship it out to you. We'll make sure we look at the timestamps. I'm going to give this book as a way to say thank you to anybody that sows a gift of any size. Man, I am so proud. It's like it's crazy. There's my picture on the back of this book. Absolutely insane. You can have mountain-moving faith, practical steps to realizing God's promises in your life. Amen. So the ways you can give, if you'd like to make a check out and send it in, you can do that. You can make your check out to Revival House Church. Revival House Church, send that to P.O. Box 1282, Huntington, Texas, 75949. If you'd like to uh, do Cash App, you can do dollar sign, capital R-H-C-T-X, capital R-H-C, dollar sign, capital R-H-C-T-X. If you want to do PayPal, it's at symbol R-H-C-T-X. If you'd like to text to give, that number is available on the screen. If you're hands-free, go back and watch this. Get that number. Text your dollar amount to the number that's on the screen. If you'd like to give through credit or debit card, you can go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. And all the ways available to give are available on that website. And so I'm not going to talk about partnership. I'm not going to talk about any of that today because I want you to focus on this, on this one thing today, a thanksgiving offering to the Lord. What would you say? Everybody's at different levels, but I genuinely want you to ask the Lord, what is my best? Lord, I'm not going to, you know, well, I give my tithe. I don't need to do this. The tithe is the bare minimal. You know, how dare us overflow in the blessing of God and then think, well, I'm just going to go spend thousands of dollars on Black Friday and all this material stuff, and, and I'll pay the world and I'll tip you, God. No, put God in his proper place. And I believe as you do that, I'm telling you, get ready to run in 2023. You're going to see the windows of heaven open over your life. So let's pray. I want to give you an opportunity. If you'd like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, right now you watch this broadcast, God's speaking to you. I want you to say the simple prayer. Say, Lord, I come now in the name of Jesus. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord and that you raised him from the dead. Wash me clean of my sins. Write my name in the book of life. I receive your salvation as a free gift by faith right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all, if, if you prayed that prayer, we'd love to hear from you. Go to www.rhctx.com and click the tab, I just got saved. We want to connect with you. We want to get some information to you and send you some resources to help you. But for everybody else, I want to pray with you and just wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. Thank you guys for tuning in this broadcast. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for my friends, my family, my partners, our covenant members, and our viewers. I pray that this is the best Thanksgiving they ever had in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that every piece of chocolate pie that they eat, it would just be transformed into like a nice green piece of celery and a nice apple, something healthy 
that it would just go right into their body and be nourishment to them and let them have a great time with their family. Today, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we love you. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you Monday. God bless you. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.